In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight is Psalm 55. Uh, the title of this psalm is To the Chief Musician with Stringed Instruments, a Contemplation of David. So, to the chief instrument uh, musicians, they say uh, either the chief musician is the Lord Jesus Christ, or the chief musician is the leader of the choir, like Heman or Asaph in the time of David. With stringed instrument, that is the type of instrument used with this uh, psalm, when they chanted the psalm. A contemplation of David means uh, David uh, is the author of this psalm. Psalm 55 describes a time of some kind of rebellion against David. A key leader in the struggle against David in this rebellion was a trusted friend who betrayed David. And the occasion of this psalm, according to the most scholars, the, the rebellion of Epsilon, as we read it in 2 Samuel chapter 15 to 18, and the betrayal of his counselor and his friend Ahithophel. Uh, Ahithophel is considered by many scholars as a symbol and a type of Judas who betrayed our Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, there are many things in this psalm, if not the whole psalm, which may be truly applied to Christ. And during the Holy Week, we chant uh, verse 21 from this psalm, in the eve of Thursday and in the first hour of Covenant Thursday, uh, this verse that says, His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. So this about Judas, who betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can say this psalm is a prophecy about the betrayal of our Lord Jesus Christ. Something it was written when David understood that the inhabitant of Kila would deliver him into the hands of Saul. The story you can read it in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 12. Others believe that Jeremiah is the author of the psalm in spite of the title of the psalm. And that the disloyal uh, friend of Jeremiah was Bashhor, by whom Jeremiah was tormented for predicting the destruction of Jerusalem. The story you can read it in Jeremiah chapter 20. However, all the circumstances in this psalm agree with 
David's condition at the time, the rebellion of Absalom, and the occasion was one in which the persecuted and the much afflicted king David would be likely to pour out the desires of his heart before God. The psalm also can comfort us when we feel betrayed or wounded by very close friends or uh, people who are very dear to us or close to us. So when we are wounded by our beloved, this son can actually comfort and console us when we pray. The psalm falls into three equal divisions. The first division, despair, the despair of David. We read it from verse 1 to verse 8. The second, anger, from verse 9 to 15. And the third, trust in God, from 16 to 21. So we can see how David went through despair to anger to trust. This psalm is 23 verses. Verse 1 to 3, a prayer that God would hear his voice and his cry. From verse 4 to 8, description of his trouble and sorrows. Verse 9 to 14, sources of his trouble. Verse 15, asking God to take vengeance. 16 to 21, David's confidence in God, 22 to 23, a general exhortation to trust in God. Most probably, we will take half of the psalm today. Verse 1, let's read verse 1. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. When we read this verse, the language here is a language of earnestness. The psalmist was was in deep affliction, and he pleaded that God would not turn away from him in his troubles, would not hide in this in his troubles. We sense in David's prayer that he felt. God was distant, as if God was hiding from him. And many times when we are in troubles or deeply wounded, we feel that God is disappearing. Where are you, God? That's why he said, do not hide yourself. Do not hide yourself as an merciful man who turns away during the time of hardship and suffering. It seems that David feels abandoned by God, as if God is unconcerned or not regarding David's trouble, nor seeming to take any notice of it, or as displeased or angry at David. That's why he told him, do not hide yourself from my supplication. 
This reminds us that in the dread hour when Jesus Christ our Lord bore our sins upon the cross, he cried to the Father saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As if his Father did hide himself from the Son. David asked God to attend to him and to hear him in verse 2 when he said, Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. And I want you to notice there are four petitions here. Give ear to my prayer. Do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. So, uh, there is a very special need is indicated by these four petitions to be heard by God. David believed that he could face almost anything if God is present with him and if God is pleased with him. And David then started to describe the emotional and mental distress he is feeling. He said to the Lord, I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. I am restless. I am so impatient. I want you to intervene immediately. I cannot endure it anymore. And when he said, in my complaint, he doesn't mean that he found some fault and he is complaining about these faults. But in my complaint means in my deep distress, in my anguish, in my tribulation. And when he said, I moan noisily, moan doesn't mean to mourn, but means here to inquire earnestly, to seek, to look for. As one who looks every way for help, he is searching for help from anywhere. The psalmist did not hesitate to vent his feeling by saying, moan noisily groaning, weeping, in prayer. And we notice that David turned first to God. He took his pain to God and made his requests known to God rather than complain about God and blame God for what has happened. Many times, when we go through difficult time, either we complain about God instead of going to Him, or we go to people and we don't consider praying as a solution. And when uh, somebody actually uh, says, go and pray, we say, no, we need a practical solution. We don't consider praying is a practical solution. 
Saint Asanisius believes that verse 1 and 2 are the cry of the suffering Lord who came to the cross to save mankind. In verse 1 and 2, David just calls out to God, noting that there is a problem. So he is calling God, telling him, you know, there is a problem. But in verse 3, now he will explain what the problem is. So in verse 3, he starts to explain, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. So he mentioned again four things. The voice of the enemy, the oppression of the wicked, they bring down trouble upon him, and in wrath they hate him. So in verse 3 now he identified more specifically the problem and identifying the results of being betrayed by his friend and his son. Uh, The voice of the enemy because they spoke poorly of him. Also, uh, he is oppressed by wicked men, Epsilon, his son, and the people who are supporting him. They include these men bringing all sorts of trouble and hateful anger into David's life. So when he said wicked men, the wicked men includes, or the word they include, all the men who are actually bringing all sorts of trouble and hateful anger into David's life. Like Shammai son of Gira, when he saw David running away from his son Epsilon, he insulted him and cursed him. So David had been unjustly treated by others. He said to God, my enemy is vocal. They make uproar. They spread threats and slanders. They accuse me falsely of many crimes. The voice of the enemy, it is the voice of Epsilon, his son, the voice of Ahithophel, who gave out actually that he would strike only the king. So Ahithophel, his plan to kill only the king as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 2. For us, the voice of the enemy can be any spiritual enemy. Sin is an enemy to us. Satan is an enemy to us. The world is an enemy to us. And these things threaten dominion and oppression over us. For Christ, the enemies were the scribes and the Pharisees reproaching him. 
So we can see in verse 3, David focused on the actions of his enemies. As they said, there are four things he mentioned. They speak, they oppress, they cast iniquity, they hate. Now, in verse 4 and 5, the focus of David on his response to these four realities, the voice of the enemies, the oppression of the enemies, the hatred of the enemies, and uh, how they bring down trouble on him. So in verse 4 and 5, he says, in response to what his enemies are doing, he said, my heart is severely pained with me, and the terrors of death has fallen upon him, upon me. So his heart is severely pained, and also the terror of death has fallen upon him. Verse 5, fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So, the attacks of his enemies deeply grieved David and brought pain to his heart. And the Hebrew word, uh, the word pain in verse 4, my heart is severely pained within me, Uh, means the pain of labor, like a woman in labor. Uh, The Arabic translation is more accurate. يَمْخَضُ قَلْبِ فِي دَخِلِي مُخَضْ الْأُمِّ الْوَالِدَةِ So, David mentions his heart being in anguish, like a woman in labor. And also, if we say this psalm is a symbol, or prophecy about Jesus Christ, this was true of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Eden, uh, sorry, Garden of Gethsemane, when his soul was exceedingly sorrowful unto death, and he was in pain, and also he was in pain on the cross. Also David spoke about the terrors of death has fallen upon him. David is terrified. He is full of fear and he is overwhelmed by terror because the plan is to kill him. So, again, we can say this about the Lord Jesus Christ, that the terror of death Uh, was with the human nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although we don't speak about humanity and divinity as separable, because his divinity uh, did not uh, leave or parted from his humanity for a single moment. But do you remember when the Lord said to the Father, if you desire, if possible, uh, to let this cup pass from me. So as if the Lord saying the same word 
the terrors of death have fallen upon me. That's why he prayed to the Father, if it is possible, to let uh, this cup to pass away from him. And we know that in general, when a king is the object of conspiracy, then the king knows very well that nothing but his death will satisfy the conspirators. So when they make a conspiracy, they want to kill the king, nobody else. The stress of this crisis caused David uh, to, to suffer from mental anguish. And this mental anguish increased by the danger of death. That's why David trembled in fear and said the horror of death has uh, overwhelmed me. His fear was so great to make him tremble, as we read in verse 5, fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. He didn't know what would happen next, or how soon the worst should come. It is not as if they were foreigners whose hostility was to be expected. It is his son, actually, and his friend, Achitofel. They are his countrymen. One of them is his very, very close friend, but he threatened his life. So the horror that David is facing are so terrible, how he would make his escape. Uh, verse 6 So I said Oh that I had wings like a dove I would fly away and be at rest David was surrounded with enemies that he didn't know how he could escape and for him, the only way to escape, to escape, to have wings and to fly, because he was surrounded all around by his enemies. That's why he wished, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. The dove here is a symbol of his innocence, while his enemies were like the hungry hawk. The dove also symbolizes the Holy Spirit that during the time of tribulation, the Holy Spirit can carry us under his wing or above his wing. We can hide under the wings of God to find peace and rest, to be at rest, to be safe, secure from the conspiracy and the conspirators and when he said uh, I would fly and be at rest literally means to dwell permanently at rest St. Gregory of Nyssa comments on this verse and says 
So, will he who avoid every bitterness and every lust of the body to fly high with the wings of the dove, the Holy Spirit, above all the conflicts of the world, and discover what alone could be worthy to be desired. So he is saying, when we suffer from the oppression of sin and the oppression of Satan and the lusts of the flesh, the only way for us is to fly high with the Holy Spirit above all the desires and above all the conflicts of the world to discover the sweetness of God where we can rest and where we can dwell permanently. St. Gregory continues and says, He himself, God, would become beautiful by getting, sorry, he himself means us, would become beautiful by getting close to the divine beauty, namely to God, becoming enlightened through having the fellowship with the true light. So St. Gregory is saying, when we fly on the wings of the Holy Spirit and we become connected with the divine beauty, we become enlightened and also we have fellowship with the true light. Verse 7, Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would wander, wander far off and remain in the wilderness. So David wished he could just escape this terror uh, and this very difficult situation and remain in the wilderness. He longed for the simpler days when he repeatedly saw God's faithfulness in the wilderness. David, in the beginning of his life, he was in the wilderness. So he longed for these days. Fleeing away from his enemies, David actually went to dwell in the wilderness beyond the land, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. So literally David escaped wilderness. So gracious souls desire to be secluded as in wilderness, clear of the company of the wicked men, as Jeremiah wished also, as we read in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 2. So the righteous soul, they want to actually to be away and secluded in wilderness, away from the company of wicked men. This actually can be applied to the early church after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ under Jewish persecution when the Jews persecuted the church in Jerusalem and the church fled from Judea to the rest of the earth, to the wilderness of the Gentiles because Gentiles were considered wilderness at that time. the church fled from Jerusalem to the wilderness of the Gentiles.
verse 8 I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest so when there is a dove sorry, when there is a storm the dove fly from the storm to their nests in the rocks so the psalmist would haste away from the passions and dangers of the city to some safe refuge in the wilderness david declares that <coughs> he would not waste a moment but escape at once when he said i would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest so he is saying i will not waste a moment but escape at once for fear that it might be too late and because he could not bear the uproar and disturbance of his enemies any longer the words storm and tempest signifying a powerful army of enemies invading a country so his enemies like a storm or like tempest verse 9 david turned it into prayer to god destroy o lord and divide their tongues for i have seen violence and strife in the city destroy o lord and divide their tongues for i have seen violence and strife in the city here we can see sudden transition david passes from his own suffering from his own fears and longing to pray for the confusion of his enemies for the confusion of their counsels to describe also the miserable condition of the city under the leadership of his enemies david calls upon god to act for the ways of his enemies are extremely wicked when he said destroy o lord and divide their tongues why for i have seen violence and strife in the city so when he is saying god please destroy this because the ways of his enemies are extremely wicked and the word destroy in the original text means devour and we can see here epsilon intended to devour his father supported by Achitophel who was a close friend and counselor of David and by doing such horrible betrayal of friendship and fatherhood they made themselves worthy to be devoured and they planned to devour David now they deserve to be devoured by God as we read in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 whatever a man sows that he will reap destroy o lord means also swallow up them as you swallowed pharaoh and his host in the red sea 
And as Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were swallowed up in the earth. Also, all the enemies of Christ and the church will be destroyed. And death, the last enemy, as St. Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, will be swallowed up into victory. Destroy, O Lord. Divide their tongues. Divide their tongues. Means, as in Babylon, you confused the tongues of the people at Babel, so do the same here. So David wished that confusion and division to overtake the people who conspired against him, exactly like what happened with the builders of Babel in the Old Testament. And why he is praying that may God divide their tongues? Because if their tongues are divided, then God is breaking up their union. And we can see that the prayer of David was heard when God actually uh, defeated the conspiracy of Achitophel, as we read in 2 Samuel chapter 17. Because there were two counselors, Achitophel and Hushai, and both of them give opposite counsel, counsel uh, or advice to Epsilon, David's son. And if Epsilon followed the counsel of Ahithophel, he would be able to kill David. But God made Epsilon to follow the counsel of Hushai, and thus God actually divided their tongues and uh, protected and delivered David. And what happened after uh, Epsilon chose to follow Hushai's counsel and not his counsel. So Ahithophel knowing that such advice would destroy Absalom, so he went out and hanged himself, as we read in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 17 from verse 15 to 17. And we can see here how King David and our Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David, were betrayed by close friends. David was betrayed by Achitophel, and our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed by Judas. And also, as Achitophel hanged himself, we can see also how Judas hanged himself. So both of them ended up with the same fate. That's why we can see clearly here that Achitophel was a symbol of Judas Iscariot in this psalm. Then David, after he said, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, he looked at the city, at the whole city, and he found the whole city of Jerusalem is under the control of Epsilon and Achitophel. And he saw the city in trouble and wickedness, 
in oppression and deceit. He saw that the city is falling into ruin and misery through the misdeeds of his enemies. It is now possessed by Epsilon, by whom violence was done to David's wives. And this was also the advice of Achitophel. And there was strife and contention and rebellion arose among the people. This also is a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ saw iniquity and strife in the city of Jerusalem when they unjustly delivered the Lord Jesus Christ to trial and to the cross. Strife occurred among them because some of the people said about the Lord Jesus Christ, this man could not be from God because he broke the Sabbath and because he made himself equal to God. While others said no sinner could perform such great miracles as Jesus did, like opening the eyes of the man who was born blind or raising ladders from his death. Uh, Verse 10 Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. So we can say people walked the city day and night continually causing trouble for David. But also uh, day and night they go around it. They actually can refer to the violence and strife mentioned in the previous verse. They are personified here, the violence and strife, as if they are persons. And they seem to surround the city. They are like a surrounding sieging army. And the city was full of wickedness within and without. So it is not only that that wickedness prevails But throughout the city, there is violence and contention. This whole account shows numerous of sin in Jerusalem at this time, and that it was openly and publicly committed. Many sins are publicly and openly committed in the city of Jerusalem. And again, this is a symbol of the cry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this crisis is not the cry of David only, but also the cry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord wept over Jerusalem because he saw the city. As we read in Luke chapter 19, he saw the city and wept over it. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. So, as David saw, day and night 
violence and strife go around it on its walls and iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it the same the Lord Jesus Christ so in Jerusalem Verse 11 Destruction is in its midst Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets So this means always, always There is wickedness in the city There is oppression, there is deceit Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets The sin made its dwelling place in Jerusalem After this, in verse uh, 12 We can see that the Psalms passes from general to particular From the great number of his opponents and his enemies to one speech, uh, special individual when he says in verse 12 for it is not an enemy who reproaches me then I could bear it David is saying if this was my enemy I would bear it nor is it one who hates me who has exalted himself against me then I could hide from him the problem here that this conspiracy is done by his son and his best friend as he said in verse 13 but it was you a man my equal my companion and my acquaintances so it happened from a man who was his best friend companion and acquaintance verse 14 we took sweet counsel together and we walked to the house of God in the throne we worshiped together and we spent good time together this actually what hurts the most so Ahitophel was known as David's counselor as we read in 2nd Samuel chapter 15 verse 12 and it was said about the counsel of Achitophel what he counseled was considered a sort of oracle of God so the counsel of Achitophel was concerned as oracle of God as we read in 2nd Samuel chapter 16 verse 23 so David says if it were only his enemies who were offending him he could bear it he could hide from them physically and perhaps also emotionally he could conceal his weakness and hide his hurt but that not that is not the case the one tormenting david is a close companion a familiar friend reproach from an enemy is expected and can be patiently endured by this came from his equal how David says about Achitophel his equal and David is a king equal here not in power and dignity but in reputation 
for his deep wisdom and great influence which he had upon David. Achitophel was one whom David honored and valued as himself. That's what he meant by my equal. A man from whom humanity, kindness, tenderness might have been expected. And he called him my acquaintance, well known to me. Achitophel was well known to David as Judas also was well, well known to Christ. He trusted him, but he found him actually unfaithful. David shared all thoughts and his plans with Achitophel, but Achitophel deceived him. Their fellowship had been tender and confidential. As we read in verse 14, we took sweet counsel together. But uh, unfortunately, he betrayed him. The traitor had been treated lovingly and trusted so much. And they worshipped together. We walked together to the house of God. The betrayer is another person uh, who actually is a disciple of, of Christ. In the case of Judas, Achitophel worshipped with David. And Judas was a disciple of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ chose Judas as one of his disciples, a friend. They ate together and he trusted him with the treasury box. But after all, Judas sold his master for 30 pieces of silver. Saint Jerome made a comment about how the last can be the first, how the first can be last. How people who were persecutors or traitors can be the first. And how people like Judas was the first, he actually became the last. So in a letter St. Jerome sent to Polinus, Bishop of Dola, he said, Daniel, don't think of me as a better person on account of that I came under the banner of Christ before years before you did. So St. Jerome is saying to his friend, don't think that I am better than you because I became Christian before than you. And he is saying to him, giving him an example. He told him, as Paul, St. Paul, the chosen vessel, change it from a violent persecutor and then the last of the apostolic system to become the first. Although being the last, yet he labored more abundantly than the old. So he said St. Paul was a persecutor and he is the last of the people whom seen the Lord Jesus Christ among the apostles and who is the last who be called an apostle. But now St. Paul became the first. He labored more abundantly than they all. And giving another example, St. Jerome is saying, And Judas, to whom the Lord said, You were my equal and my companion. We walked to the house of God in the throng. Judas betrayed him. So St. Jerome is quoting verse 14 
as if the Lord Jesus Christ said it to Judas, you were my equal and my companion. We walked together to the house of God in the throng, but Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll stop here at verse 14, and we'll continue next week, God willing. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.